Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. Are you there? All right. This is what it says. New King James Version. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on the earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, it continues. There's a little bit of a hum up here. I don't know. We might have to mute something. Uh, Verse 22. This is the same theme. I want you to stick with it. He's not stopped talking about money or treasure here. But this is what Jesus says. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is uh, two translations, either the God of money or worshiping money as God. Um, No matter how you break it down, that's a bad deal. That's idolatry that needs to be broken. Let's pray and let's ask the Lord's hand on this time as we open his word together. Lord, I Thank you for your word. I thank you that it is light, it's life, it's instruction, it's correction when we need it. And Lord, I pray that this morning your word would accomplish all that you desire it to. Lord, we submit it to you and I pray even now for a great anointing to be released across this room. In the mighty name of Jesus, would you release a powerful, come on church, if you've got liberty, I want you to help me pray right now. Lift up your voice. Lord, we pray for a mighty anointing across this room that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear a heart that perceives what your spirit is speaking. Lord, we pray for the spirit of wisdom in revelation. Give us eyes to see what you're showing us today. Lord, release a great anointing, and I bind the works of the enemy. He would seek to distract, to devour, to divide, or uproot your word as it comes forward. Give us liberty as we receive your word today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. You may be seated. I... I began this series called The Theology of Generosity. Everybody say The Theology of Generosity. We talked about some different approaches people take to finance in the Bible. Uh, Some would adhere to what we call a poverty theology. I'm going to sell everything, go live on the mission field. And, um, you know, and the Bible does uh, champion a number of individuals like that. There's an ungodly poverty, and we'll talk about that a little bit today. Uh, But then there's also those who are tremendously blessed. They had great prosperity and blessing and favor on their lives. Uh, And we see that there were unrighteous rich individuals in Scripture as well. So how do we navigate this? Well, one of the things that I really have been challenging us is not necessarily to adhere to a poverty mindset or a prosperity mindset, but the Bible says that the Lord desires to uh, increase us so that we can be generous on every occasion. He wants to enrich our lives so that we can always be generous. Everybody say generous. And so that's been the theme. Now, 
I am going to talk about one other prophetic word, and, and if some of you don't believe in prophecy, this stuff is going to drive you crazy because we believe in prophecy, and we're expanding that culture in our church. But Prophet Jane Hammond shared a word that I felt was so timely. She came to us in a time of ministry. My wife and I, my family were there, and, and some of our church family had gathered around. And she began to share about what God had done in their church and through their ministry. How God gave them strategy in how to pray and even, uh, you know, legislate certain things in the spirit. And I want you to hear me on this. They were in Florida in their particular county. Uh, in fact, I, I, I took the note. They were 64 out of 66 in, in as far as poverty goes. They were the 64th most impoverished or poorest county in all of Florida. But over the course of 18 months, think about this, 18 months, they began to strategically pray. They began to strategically give. They began to legislate certain things in the spirit. And within 18 months, they, were, they went from number 64 out of 66 to one of the richest real estate markets in the entire United States. They became the number one revenue producer in the entire state of Florida, and they are today one of the top four fastest growing counties in the entire United States. They went from the very bottom to right near the very top. They are number one in their state. And then they began to turn, and she began to say, God is going to do the same thing in Kona. And she began to prophesy about how we as a people, we as a church were going to spearhead and ultimately see poverty shatter. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but she highlighted, and I've seen this even just over our couple years here, people start businesses and then it goes out of business before they hardly even get off the ground. Individuals build homes and it goes into foreclosure before they move in or shortly after they move in. And in the name of Jesus, we are going to see poverty shatter off of this region and area. And we're going to see a generous people step into all that God has for us. Somebody say amen. amen. I believe for this. And I believe, I believe it for, do you know, I feel like telling stories today. Did you know that when we acquired this property, my wife made reference to it before, but a number of the restaurants that are in this facility, the Chinese restaurant, Sushi Sam, was delayed in opening his store. Uh, the Chinese restaurant, the Thai restaurant, and a number of the other tenants on this property had not been able to pay their rent for, I mean, some of them were over six months. But as we came onto this property, as we cleaned up this property, as we began to work overtime and invest in this thing, and as we began to pray through these businesses, even Dr. Morocco came through and he anointed and we prayed for every business on this property and we do the same thing every single morning. And God completely flipped it around to where even the back pay that these guys owed, they were able to pay. They've not missed one payment. God has begun to show favor on all of the businesses in this entire complex and added a number of them. In fact, the delay that was going on, Sushi Sam's renovations were supposed to be six months. By the time we got here, it was a year and a half. But as we came in, oh, I could tell you stories. My wife is a great leader, by the way. 
She goes in there, has some conversations with their contractors, and almost overnight, they wrap that project up, and tonight, I mean, you guys just ought to come by here sometime on a weekday, and uh, you see every night, they're packed out, reservations, I mean, you can't get in unless you schedule something in advance. They're doing very well. How many understand, when we begin to operate in the arena of giving and generosity. It doesn't just bless us as the people of God. It blesses everything we set our hands to do. It changes the atmosphere of entire regions and areas. This property is a living, walking testament of that. And I believe as we're faithful to do what God has called us to do, we're going to see things completely shift for our entire city, for this island, for our entire state. Is anybody with me today? Hallelujah. So, this passage, very interesting. You've probably heard that passage about how you cannot serve God and money. You've heard the passage about store your treasure in heaven where your treasure is. Your heart will be also. But it's very interesting that in verse 24, there's a verse that kind of seems to be out of place. And this is going to help us understand um, our, our topic and our application today. He says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. If your eye is bad, your body is full of darkness. And if the dark, uh, therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, I've heard some people say, well, that means that if you let good things in, good's going to come out, bad things in, bad's going to come out. And while that is a true principle, and I could show you that in other places of Scripture, that is not what this passage is saying. In fact, what this passage is saying is, is literally, if your eye is good, not that it looks at good things, but does your eye work? That's literally what the context of this passage is. If your eye works it can receive light. It can process information. But if your eye is not functioning, if your eye is broken, if your eye is damaged, if you're blind, you cannot receive light. Are you trekking with me so far? It's important for you to understand this. Um, another translation, it doesn't even say if your eye is good or if your eye works. Another translation say, it says if your eye is single. Meaning, if you're able to focus on something, if your eye doesn't waver, if it doesn't shake, but if you're able to focus on something, that's good. But if it is damaged or it cannot see, well, that's bad. Uh, that word bad, if your eye is bad, is literally the, the Greek word poneros. And, and this is what it means. Oh, this is, this is freaky, guys. And this is where you're going to begin to see the connection between money and this principle right here. It says if your eye is poneros, it literally means envious. If your eye is envious, you're in darkness. You know what envy is, right? Do you know what the difference between jealousy and envy is? Let me explain it to you. Jealousy is when you look at something and you say, I deserve to have a car like that person has. I deserve to have the position that that person has. I deserve to have a wife or I deserve to have, you know, whatever it may be. I deserve uh, what, what that person has. Envy goes a step further 
And it says, not only do I deserve it, but that person does not. That person should not have that position. I deserve that position. They should lose it. That person doesn't deserve that kind of vehicle or home or that kind of spouse. I want their spouse. I want their home. I want the, it, it gets personal. Do you understand? Now, the challenge is here, and this is where John Bevere preaches a great message on deception. And he makes a statement that's very profound. Pay attention. He says the problem with deception is that it's deceiving. I know that's deep. The problem with deception is that it's deceiving. And what it means is you think you're right. You think you've got it figured out. You think you understand what the Bible says when in reality you're completely wrong. And this is where Jesus says, if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? In other words, if you are living in darkness, but you think you're actually in the light, you're in a dangerous place, friend. That's a scary place to be. If you're full of envy and your vision is impaired, but you think that you're good, you're in a very bad place. So, what we're going to deal with today, I'm going to actually give, we'll, we'll see how much I can get through in the next few moments. I want to deal with a few identifiers for the spirit of poverty. I'm going to shine a light on some areas that this right here is a poverty mindset. This right here is the spirit of poverty. And you may do some of these things and think, well, I'm just being wise. We're going to shine a light, and we're going to pray that the Lord would expose, because I don't know about you guys, but if I've got something that's hindering me in my walk with God, my ability to be generous, help me, Lord. Are you with me today? Somebody say, help me, Lord. <laughs> we all need help. We all need help. We all got room to grow. So what we're going to do is I'm just going to begin to give this to you. Number one. The spirit of poverty is never content or satisfied. The spirit of poverty is never content and it is never satisfied. Hebrews 13.5 encourages us to be content with what we have. In Philippians chapter 4, now this is very interesting. I, I shared this a couple of weeks ago. But the Apostle Paul says, uh, not that I was ever in need, but I have learned how to be content. Everybody say content. I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live with almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. How many of you have ever heard or quoted that verse right there? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Like we, we quote it before we go on the basketball court, right? I'm going to win this game because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, that's fine, man. Take that verse, quote it that way. In reality, he's actually talking about his heart towards money. He's talking about how can I remain content and satisfied in where God has me, whether I have a lot or whether I have nothing, whether my belly is full or whether I'm going hungry. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be content. 
Everybody say content. Are you content with where you're at today? I don't know what kind of financial position you're in. I don't know if you've got plenty of food in the cupboard. I know that over the last year, our food costs have nearly doubled, and so our our food goes not as far as it used to. And at the same time, my son and my daughter have both grown a foot in about the last year. And so our food, you know, but at the same time, my wife and I, we were just sitting out on the porch last night. We were watching the sunset. We're like, we are blessed. Look at where we get to live. Look at Look at what, look at our family. I mean, we're all sitting out there together. Look at our family. Our son is so handsome. Oh, man, he's starting to get muscles. Oh, he's brilliant. He's sharp. Uh, he's talented. My daughter, oh, my goodness, she's, she's too beautiful. It actually scares me a little bit. Uh, I need to buy her some ugly glasses or something. I don't know. But I'm like, I, I look and, oh, my family, we are so blessed. Uh, you know what contentment is? Let me, let me just give you a definition. This is godly contentment, okay? I want you to hear this. Write this down. Godly contentment is being satisfied with where you are while being excited about where God is taking us. It's being satisfied where I am while also being excited about where God is taking us. So this isn't just we're going to settle into laziness, we're just going to coast, uh, what I have is good enough, what I've built is good enough, my business, oh, where we're, we're sustaining. No, we're going to be content with where we are, but we're also going to be looking towards what God has for us. That's the place I'm trying to remain in as a church. I want our building project to move faster, but at the same time, I have the words of Dr. Morocco. I called him... It was about a year ago, and things weren't moving forward with this space. We were meeting in the upper room and praying about finishing this space. And we had a a frustrating situation dealing with our plumbing, and I'll never forget the words of Dr. Morocco. Pastor Jacob, enjoy the process. Enjoy the process. My mind was so set on what we needed to do, what we needed to accomplish. I had forgotten to be content and to look around and rejoice. God, look at what you are doing. Look at what you've already accomplished. It's being content with where we are while being excited about where God is taking us. Do you feel that way about your money? Do you feel that way about your financial state? We need to combat the spirit of poverty. We need to be content. We need to be satisfied where God has us while excited about where he's taking us. Number two, number two, the spirit of poverty is stingy and it hoards for oneself. Everybody say stingy. Uh, You know how they say that in Hawaiian, uh, pake. Everybody say pake. We don't want to be pake. We don't want to be stingy. We don't hoard to ourselves. The Bible says that if we sow sparingly, we will reap sparingly in 2 Corinthians 9. A, sec, a stingy person is one who says, I can't afford to give. A generous person says, what I have, whether it's a lot or a little, I will give. This doesn't. I, I want to just preface this. This has nothing to do with whether you have a lot of money or you have a little money. Generosity is entirely a heart condition. Stinginess, the spirit of poverty says, I can't afford to do that. Whether you've got a lot or a little. 
But generosity says, what I have, I will give. What I have, I will do. In fact, you remember in Matthew 25, Jesus tells a parable about a man. Well, he tells three. Uh, one had a lot, one had a medium amount, and one had just a single talent. And you'll remember the man with one talent, he didn't squander that talent. He didn't spend that talent. He didn't, he didn't blow what God had given him. In fact, what he did is he kept it and he stored it. He buried it and he did nothing with it. And when the master came back, he's like, listen, you could have at least invested that thing. Let me get some interest back on it. But you did nothing with it. What did he do? He was stingy. He hoarded it. And God was very upset. In fact, he took that talent and he gave it to the one who'd been faithful with much. We need to combat the spirit of poverty, that which is stingy, and it hoards for oneself. Um, in fact, can I just say, this is a good illustration that, uh, that I heard from Pastor Josh this last week. In that second, the Bible says that According to how you sow, you will reap. The measure you use, everybody say measure. The measure you use will determine how God measures back to you. So I want you to think about it. This was the illustration that he gave. We can choose to come with a spoonful, and we can measure out spoonfuls, and by the same measure, God will use a spoon to measure back to us. Now, the Bible says that he'll measure back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So you will be more blessed. You cannot outgive God, and he will return to you more than you gave. Be sure of that. But you could grab a shovel Praise God. And you could allow that to be the measure of generosity in which you give. And the Lord, in turn, will use that same measure back to you. Are you getting this? Now, I don't know about you, but I want to get like, I don't know, a, a big backhoe or something. Uh, what, what, I can't think of a bigger, uh, let's just bring one of those bulldozers. I'm thinking like the Tonka truck thing, right? With the big, uh, that's the measure of generosity that I want to be operating in. And so we need to believe for God's increase. We need to believe for more, but oh my goodness. I told Leah, I said, you know, we're, we're praying now about how we can give on a greater level. I said, Leah, in October, we we're going to have the, 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 we're going to have a special offering that we're going to do. And, and we were talking about it yesterday. I want to be able to give this. And I just, I threw an idea. Uh, I think it scared her. So uh, she's praying about it, but I'm telling you, I want to, I want to get that. What do they call that? The Tonka truck. Oh, okay. A full size. You guys are, are you guys awake today? After the service, you go by the coffee shop. You can get you a great espresso if you're... So, um, number three, number three. The spirit of poverty is a beggar and borrower. The spirit of poverty is a beggar and borrower. Uh, Psalm 37, 25 says, I have been young, I am now old, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging for bread. Did you know... Children of the Most High God, you should never be in a position where we are begging for God's provision. We're begging for 
breakthrough. Deuteronomy 15.6 says, The Lord your God will bless you as he promised you. You shall lend to many nations. You shall not borrow. The spirit of poverty is a beggar. It's a borrower. God desires for us to have our supplies need. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I have never seen them begging for bread. And also that we are able to lend. Oh my goodness. I don't know if this is straight. I mean, as we're going through this list, I don't know. I don't know how, how this is sitting with you. Am I content? Am I satisfied? Am I stingy? Do I hoard for myself? Am I begging? Am I a borrower or am I a lender? I really want you to begin to consider this because I feel like God is identifying that's a poverty mindset right there. We need to see things shattered and broken off of our lives. Are you with me today? The spirit of poverty, number four, the spirit of poverty refuses to tithe. The spirit of poverty refuses to tithe. Now, this to me, this was my favorite point. I actually had to stop and pray about this as the Lord began to give this to me this last week. Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's. Whose is the earth? The Lord's. And all its fullness. That means everything in it. The world and those who dwell therein. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell him, you belong to the Lord. I mean, really. Tell your other neighbor, you belong to the Lord. Everything in the earth. You understand? This earth belongs to the Lord. This pulpit belongs to the Lord. This church belongs to the Lord. These businesses, your motorcycle, praise God, that phone that you hold in your hand, that bo- all of it belongs to the Lord. The earth is the Lord's and its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Now, let me give you another passage. This is the one that really messed with me, okay? First Chronicles 29. David, by the way, is about to receive an offering. And he's about to share something with the congregation. And he tells them, listen, we're going to raise funds because we're going to build a temple for the Lord. And he shares with the people exactly what he intends to give. This is in uh, 1 Chronicles 29. I I, I looked at this, I dug, and and, uh, different scholars estimated at different levels. Of course, uh, gold has changed prices. But it is estimated that King David gave somewhere between two and three billion, with a B, billion dollars towards this building program. And he told everybody what he was going to give. And then he challenged them, this is what I'm giving, I want you guys to give like that as well. And they nearly matched his generosity, they didn't quite hit the mark. But this is what David says. First Chronicles 29.10, David Bless the Lord before all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, the majesty. It's yours, Lord. Now watch this. All that is in heaven and all that is in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, Lord. You are exalted as head over all. Riches and honor come from you. You reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great or and to give strength to all. So therefore, our God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. 
Do you hear his emphasis? He's giving billions of dollars. I mean, for, for, for us, oh, I can't even imagine. I don't have access to anything close to those resources. But he gave generously what he was able to. And then he encourages people, you give what's of value to you. Why? Because it's all his. It all belongs to God. If you have wealth, if you have authority, if you have power, if you have strength, it's all come from him in the first place. You, you want to know why some people have a problem with tithing and with giving? Even this message right now is rubbing some people the wrong way. It's because you actually think that that money you have is yours. You actually think that, well, I give 10%. I tithe, Pastor Jacob, so 90% is mine. You're wrong, friend. Everything that you have is the Lord's. Every dime that you have is the Lord's. Your home, your family, the strength, the wisdom God gave you to work, the job that you do, everything that you have is the Lord's. And when we begin to approach the Lord in that way, I, I tell you, friend, there's nothing he could ask of us that is too much. Because it's all his. This is why I began to challenge my wife. I said, we've got a check that's coming, and I expect it to be pretty big. I don't know exactly what it is. This is kind of scary. You ever have this kind of thing like, I got some money coming on the way. It could be $5,000. It could be $15,000. But I told my wife, I don't know what it is. Let's give it all. And she's like, well, you know, she's thinking about it. It all belongs to him. It all belongs to him. And so I'm, I, I'm just like, God, how can I do this? This is, this is a kingdom mindset. This is, Lord, it's all yours. And we thank you and we praise your glorious name. Wow. Well, can I, I've got two more, and, and I'll give these to you quick. Are you guys still alive? Are you still with me? Okay. The spirit of poverty, number five, desires quick riches, quick riches. Proverbs 13, 11, uh, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes. That's a New Living Translation. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears, but wealth from hard work grows over time. Everybody say hard work. Praise God. How many of you appreciate hard work? You know how this church is here? This is what my wife was bragging on, Minister Lee and his family. You want to know what these guys do? They work hard. That's why this church is here. In fact, I heard their prophetic word. The foundation you have laid in this place will remain. That was a word over them. I was hoping the prophet would come and tell them, don't leave. Don't go. But no, the foundation. Why? Because they worked hard to establish this place. Many of you have as well. Many of you work hard in your job. Don't give in to get rich quick schemes. That, that will disappear overnight. Number six, here's the last one. The spirit of poverty resents the wealthy and dishonors the anointing. The spirit of poverty resents the wealthy and dishonors the anointing. Now, this is a big one. And this actually, Minister Ryland, would you come and, and join me on? 
I'm going to draw this to a close, and we're going to have an opportunity to give. But I want to help some of you. Because all throughout this, my, my desire through this entire message was for the Lord to highlight areas that we may be operating with a poverty mindset. And God desires to move us into the realm of generosity. And this last one, I feel like this is big. In, in fact, I know that this is big for the church world. Because I see this, it comes out in news articles constantly. It comes out in discernment YouTube videos constantly. How dare that person wear those kinds of shoes? We could feed an entire village with those shoes. Why does that person have their own jet? Why are they in a home like this? Now listen, I talked about, you can go back to week one of my sermon series. I know that there are liars and deceivers in the kingdom of God. Their goal is, 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 is money. I understand that. That's not what I'm talking about. But why is it that we've had this mindset that if somebody is financially prosperous or blessed, there's an area of resentment that comes into our heart? I'll never forget where this stuck with me. I'm going to give you a Bible verse to support this too. We were, I was a student at Christ for the Nations, and somebody made a statement about a well-known evangelist's shoes. He says, those shoes cost like $900. Do you know how many orphans we could feed with that money? Do you know how many poor we could feed? We could feed entire villages in some countries with the cost of that man's shoes. Why is he wearing shoes like that? And our Bible instructor, so full of wisdom, this stuck with me forever. He says, yeah, that's in the Bible. What you're saying right there, it's in the Bible. Let me show you the passage. And he had us all turn in our Bibles to Matthew 26 in verse 6. Meanwhile, Jesus was at Bethany in the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant. They said, what a waste. It could have been sold for a high price. And the money given to the poor. There it is. Jesus, aware of this, replied, why are you criticizing this woman for doing a good thing to me? You'll always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume to prepare the body for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Now, John, oh, this is where it really shines a light on this. John fills in some gaps for us. That's why I like the Gospel of John. He comes in, he'll give you the backstory on certain passages. In John chapter 12 and verse 4, it's the same passage telling the same story, but he gives one detail that was left out of Matthew. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, says that perfume is worth a year's wages. It could have been sold and the money given to the poor. He said that not because he cared for the poor, but he was a thief. He was in charge of the disciples' money. He often stole some for himself. The attitude that says that wealthy person doesn't deserve what they have is the same heart that Judas had when he saw this woman's generosity. That's scary, friend. And 
why? Why did Judas say that? Not because he had compassion for the poor, but because he had greed in his own heart. He was looking for his own selfish gain. And it was for that reason he was criticizing this woman and her extra. Bible says that that was almost a year's wages what she poured out over Jesus. My comeback to people who criticize those who are wealthy, listen, like, yeah, maybe those shoes could feed a village. How many people could your bank account feed? Are you being generous with what you have? I mean, really, why are we looking outwardly and judging what other people are doing or the lifestyle that they're living when we're not walking it out ourselves? And this is what Jesus did. He pointed it back. Judas was stealing. Judas had greed. He didn't care about the poor. Wow. We're going to address the spirit of poverty and we're going to see this thing broken. I believe this is God's biblical mandate on his sons and on his daughters. And I don't know if today what I've shared, if one or more of those points really bore witness, like I I think that might be a poverty mindset. My wife and I, we take time, friend. We had a moment where we even share one with another. And we just, we don't want any hindrance. We don't want anything blocking our generosity. And my wife and I even had this conversation yesterday. Leah, is there anything that we're approaching with a poverty mindset? And we had a time where we shared one with another. We confessed one with another and we prayed one for another. Because the Bible says, listen, you may fear here as I'm, as I'm going through this, you may say, I, I have a poverty mindset in this area or that. Listen, it's okay. We just need to be honest about it. We need to shine a light on it and ask the Lord to deal with it for us. The Bible says he's faithful and he's just to forgive us. The Bible says as we share our faults and our shortcomings one with another, not only does he forgive us, but he'll heal us and he'll set us free. Guys, I'm believing. Some of you have had this grip of poverty on your life, and I believe today is a day of freedom where God is going to shatter that off of your life, and you're going to see a flow of resources coming into your life that you can't even begin to imagine. But we must remain generous. We must remain a giving people. Are you with me today? This is what I want to do. I want my ushers to come up and down the aisles right now, and we're going to prepare a gift. We're going to give. We're going to sow. This is a moment, maybe you return your tithe or maybe you want to designate a special offering towards a building program. If we could get the information on the screen there. We're going to give. We're going to be a generous people. And even as we do this, we're going to believe for the spirit of poverty to shatter off of our lives. Now what I want you to do Maybe even on that, on that envelope, my, my wife and I do this all the time. We prophesy on our envelopes. You can do this in the memo section if you're texting to give. But I write particular things that I'm believing for God to do as I give. This is a breakthrough offering. This is a debt eradication offering. I want to be the lender, not the borrower. I don't want to be slave any longer to the, to the lender. This is an offering to break 
greed. I don't want to be under mammon anymore. I don't want to worship God as money. Lord, it's all yours. It's all yours. This is a worship offering. This is a gift of my love. Whatever it may be, if God's putting things on your heart, I got blessed and rebuked at the same time this last week. Do you ever get blessed and rebuked at the same time? I'll tell you guys, I've just about given up on my dream of owning a home in Hawaii. And things have gone up so incredibly. It would be a miracle for me to be able to do it. And I was having an internal dialogue earlier this week with myself. You ever do that and you talk to yourself like arguing with myself and all. And out of nowhere, woman of God from our church, Trish, I don't know if she's in this service or she'll be in the next. She sends me a word that she felt like God had put in her heart for me. It was essentially my son, I want you to have a home, a place that you can rest as we build the church. It was one of the, it was a simple, it was like two sentences, but as I read it, I, I was holding back tears because it's like, God, why did you put that in her heart? Because I know that in my limited poverty mindset, God, that's just too big. It's millions in here in Hawaii to own a home like, like I believe for, and I don't make millions. But the fact that it's still in God's heart for me, I need to shake off that lack mindset, that, that, that poverty mindset, and be open. God, it's all yours anyway. All of these homes are yours. All of this land is yours. All of the income, it's all yours, Lord. I don't know if God's dealing with you. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself today. But would you stand to your feet and would you take that, that gift, hold it in your hand together? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said that he was giving the authority to the church, to the people of God, that what they bind on the earth is bound in heaven and what lay loose in the earth is loosed in heaven. Now, I've learned something about warfare. We're going to pray right now to bind the spirit of poverty. To see it go no further. Maybe you recognize there's areas in your heart or your mind that you're, you've come under this poverty mentality. But we're going to pray that God would shatter that. And he's going to release over his people generosity, his blessing, his favor over our lives. So I want you to take that gift. Hold it in your hand. Even if you're, if you're texting to give, just hold that in your hand. And we're going to bless it together. Lord, right now. I lift up the people of God. We bring to you an offering. We bring to you a gift. We're returning our tithe. And right now, according to your word, oh God, you said that what we bind on the earth is bound in heaven. And what we loosen to the earth is loosed in heaven. And so right now, on the authority of your word, Jesus, by the power of your blood, I bind the spirit of poverty off of your people in the mighty name of Jesus. If we've had this mentality 
of lack or, or envy or greed, if we've been slave to mammon, God, right now I take authority over those things in the exalted, powerful name of Jesus. I command your people to be free in the name of Jesus. I say, poverty, loose the people of God and let them go in the name of Jesus. I bind your work. I bind that attitude of lack and never enough and never content and, and envy and, uh, and, and, and resentment towards the wealthy and those Lord I, I, I break those things off of those ugly places in our heart I break it off the people of God and even as we give and even as we share one with another I've been falling short in this area Jesus I ask by your precious blood that you would wash us that you would cleanse us that you would forgive us almighty God change our mindsets if we operate with with strongholds Lord wrong belief systems I ask you, Lord, to release your liberty, release your freedom in your favor. And right now, I loose upon the people of God your favor, your blessing, your inheritance, almighty God. Oh, Ephesians says that unlimited resources belong to you, oh God, and that that is our inheritance as the saints of Christ Jesus. Oh my goodness, Lord, let us operate with the heart of David. It's all yours, God. It's all yours. Everything that we see, everything that we hold, it's all yours, God, and we give you glory. So, Lord, I ask you to bless what we give today. This is a warfare offering. This is a gift of freedom today. And so I declare over the people of God, bonuses, raises, inheritances, witty inventions, ideas, even houses that we did not build, that we would have favor in all we set our hands to do. I declare over you that the heavens are open, that the devourer is rebuked, and the time of God's great favor has now come. Bless this as we give today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.